Living Wisely, Living Well, March 3rd. After every deed that you perform, pause a little to enjoy the freedom of the self within. Action to be fully effective must proceed from inner calmness. Now, I'm not sure whether Swami means, you know, fry the egg, pause, make the toast, pause, you know, eat a bite of cereal, pause. I'm not really quite sure what he means. Sometimes people kind of get infatuated with so-called spiritual ideas and they, they make themselves odd. And it's really not a good idea to become odd. When Master was in Sri Yukteswar's ashram, and this is told in Autobiography of a Yogi, Master talks about the fact that Sri Yukteswar rarely corrected him spiritually, but he often corrected his behavior. And actually an axiom of of Sri Yukteswar was learn to behave. And he was just talking about the common courtesies of life, paying attention to the details, locking the doors when you go out. And there's a whole chapter in Autobiography of a Yogi about how Master was careless about locking the ashram gate. And as a consequence, Sri Yukteswar inspired some sort of uh, uh, foolish man to come in and go all the way into Master's room and steal a cauliflower. It's the great cauliflower robbery that's described in Autobiography of a Yogi. It's told in such detail and with so much charm, but it's all about the karmic consequences of him not locking the gate, which turned out to be important. Now, what I mean, I, was, I started this when talking about we have to use our common sense. When St. Teresa of Avila would set up her cloistered convents with 12 nuns who would be in a perpetual state of cloister from when they entered until they died, she said great care must be taken in selecting those 12. And she actually said the first quality for a good nun is common sense. And she said everything else can be acquired. But common sense, you have to have that inherently in order to in order to build a solid spiritual basis. So when Swami says, after every deed that you perform, pause a little, we have to sort of think of that in a flow. And also, I know from, from both from observing Swami and from watching my own experience, when you become really concentrated and committed to something, especially if you're doing creative work, well, any kind of work, but especially if it's creative work and it involves a certain attunement with a more subtle flow of energy, when that attunement strikes, you have to run with it. You can't be pulling in and out of it. One of Swami Kriyananda's most beautiful songs is a melody he wrote to a poem by John Anderson. John Anderson is a Scottish poet, and he wrote a poem called... No, not John Anderson. Uh, oh, dear. At the moment, I can't remember who wrote the poem, but the poem is John Anderson, the Scottish poet named... Well, I will try to remember and see if it comes to me. Very, it's very famous. But in any case, it's a melody. Uh, my cameraman is going to look it up and she's going to whisper it to me so I can say it because otherwise it's going to preoccupy me this whole time. <laughs> in any case, um, Swamiji had just been through a long period of writing music. He tended to work on music, or on writing, just one thing, one thing at a time is what I mean. And he'd been through a very long period of writing music, and he was, he'd been staying up late, he hadn't been sleeping very much, and after a very long day, he said, he lay down to go to sleep, and just as he was trying to go to sleep, a melody came to him for, the, for the, that particular poem. And he talked about how, he said, 
I'm sorry, I've written lots of music. I've written a lot of music today. I've written a lot of music in my life. I don't need to get up to write down this melody. But as he put it, the melody absolutely wouldn't let him sleep. So he had to get up and write it. And it has a, you know, it's a, just a beautiful piece of music, one of Swami's most, most lovely songs. Um, we're not able to find the name of the Scottish poet, so we'll just have to let it sit for the moment. But in any case, um, so it can't be that we break our concentration. That's not what Swami's talking about. But what I did observe in Swamiji, it was very interesting. Whenever he finished a big project, he would always take a break. He would take a, at least a day. Sometimes he would take several days. And he, would, and he actually would call it, he would celebrate with Divine Mother because he felt anything that he was able to accomplish, especially in creative work, was a gift from the Divine. He was exceedingly impersonal about, um, about his own accomplishments. He felt it was all a question of attuning himself to the Divine and then, and then especially Master working through him. And he felt he needed to express his gratitude. And the way he would express it is he would, he would celebrate with Divine Mother. He would celebrate in his own heart his relationship with God. And, and in that celebration would come a deeper level of calmness and detachment and attunement. And that, of course, would set the stage for the next, um, for the next round of creative work, whatever that might be. Just, he says, action to be fully effective must proceed from inner calmness. Now, taking it back to the just sort of stopping to breathe as you go along, it can also happen that we're, when we're engaged in work or creative work or um, just ordinary work, oftentimes we, we, get, we tend to lose our focus, we tend to lose our center. You know, we become you know, too outward in our enthusiasm or just too outward in what we're doing or too restless or too intense about it. And all of a sudden we're not operating uh, from the base of the tree. We've just sort of moved out into the branches. The image of a tree is a, a very marvelous way to both think about ourselves and to think about our relationship with God. I happen to live in a, in a community that has, we have a central green and we have some wonderful, huge trees that have been out there. We, we've been living on this property for 30 years, and they were already well-established when we came. So you can imagine, these are really big trees. And there's one out there, which I think is the grandfather tree. Uh, as I understand it, for those who know these things, there's a, the trees are communities, and they work together. And there's what I think might be the grandfather tree, certainly a, a patriarch or a matriarch of the whole scene, and it's uh, an elm, I think, and it goes, it stretches very, very far, so you can be quite some distance from its very substantial base, and you, you realize that you're actually looking at the leaves from that tree, because the trees are in a ring and they overlap a little bit. But it's so fascinating to me, because here's the giant base of that tree, which I can go up to and hug, or lean against, or sit with, and commune with, and admire, and then it goes way up into the air, several stories into the air, and then way out in a horizontal direction. But even the farthest, the farthest extension of that tree from the base is never disconnected. In fact, if it, it, were, if it were ever disconnected, it would immediately just drop off and die. The life force always flows from the trunk out to the leaf. And the leaf, of course, gathers in sunlight and gathers in nutrients and sends it back just as our creative work or our relationships with people or our adventures, whatever they might be, 
feed our deep inner self, but the relationship must always be an open, constant, dynamic flow, or else the periphery simply shrivels up and dies. So when Swami's talking about pausing, what he's talking about is also remembering, just reconnecting. And it doesn't mean that we have to take a bite of cereal and stop, but it means that within ourselves, especially whenever we begin to feel that I've begin to I've begun to operate from the periphery of my consciousness rather than from the center of my consciousness, take whatever time is needed to recenter yourself. There was a time when Master was working on finishing the building of it was, I think it was Lake Shrine, but it might have been Encinitas. These are two different um, spiritual locations, ashrams that Yogananda built in his own lifetime. And he had some, some deadlines he was trying to meet. I think it was the Encinitas Hermitage. There was a dedication day. There was all this work that had to be done. And one of the monks who was critical to the work, he just didn't show up one day. He didn't show up at work. And when it came the next day, Master said to him, where were you? So with somewhat like, where were you? And the monk said, oh, sir, I, I, I felt to meditate all day yesterday. Oh, of course, Master said. <laughs> Why didn't you just say so? You know, just like perhaps you should have called me. But of course, if you needed to meditate, that was what you should have done. We need, if we ever feel that we're losing our connection with God, that is our first priority. I'm sure all of you have felt this. I mean, I certainly have felt it sometimes getting carried away. When, I mean, it, it doesn't, well, it doesn't happen as much as it used to. Let me just put it like that. You know, we just, but, but always remember that we are exactly like that tree. And if we sever our connection to the center, and, and it also tells us, you see, how to get back to that calmness, even that vision, you know, of just having wandered out and planted myself at the end of the branch. You can also think of it like this. That tree, I mean, if you think of the physical reality of that tree, its roots go very deep. Sometimes when I'm standing at the base of that tree and just looking at the grass, which is all around it, I wonder if I could see through, you know, how far does this tree extend? There's just fascinating um, revelations that people are bringing out about how groves of trees, how interconnected they are, and how they share nutrients, and how they send water and nutrients where they're needed, how they work like a cooperative community. Forests work like cooperative communities. And I think of these trees that have been sharing this, this land with us, and we've all been operating with a serious spiritual purpose here, a joyful one, but nonetheless serious. I often think about how far do those roots go? How far do they extend, you know, horizontally and, and vertically? And, and like, what are they thinking and what are they, what are they doing down there? And then you think of the, the power of the trunk, you know, that's being fed by those roots and it's growing up and it, it's, it's so big and it's so strong. And then it, it reaches out. And, the, you know, the very, again, the very farthest extension is, you know, just a tiny little twig and a tiny little leaf. But the, the deepest root and the tiniest leaf are one, one life force. And so little me my little thoughts, my little ideas, my little party, you know, whatever I'm doing, however thin my stem and however uh, tenuous my leaf, but I'm also part of that root. I go down as deep as the root of that tree goes. And, and so one can just sort of stand. You don't have to, 
You don't have to be enormous. You can just stand on your little leaf. But just feel, you might even think of it as the golden thread, which takes me right back to the root of the tree. Or you can stand in the root of the tree, and from the perspective of the root of the tree, look out to the little tiny leaf just blowing up at the end. And you see how that would just bring your consciousness right back to where it needs to be? So yes, every time you take a bite of cereal, I mean, the whole, um, the whole mystery of life, when we take the trouble to observe it, and again, you, you don't have to be strange in these thoughts. In fact, rather just the opposite. It's um, nothing is miraculous and everything is miraculous. What we, what we want this to be is simply natural to who we are. You know, just like when it's natural to us, it, it's, it's just like breathing. Many years ago when I was uh, talking to a group of uh, people in Bangalore and I was talking about how I met Swami Kriyananda at the age of 22 and then a year and a half after that I just left everything I was doing and I went to live at Ananda village. And, and it, I realized as I was saying that to them that it, it seemed odd or it seemed unusual or even daring, all these different things. And I just thought it was perfectly natural. What else should I have done? And I remember talking to Swami about it and him just saying, you know, what genuinely belongs to you is just natural to you. So we need the realization that I, the tiny leaf blowing in the wind, am actually a manifestation of the mighty root and trunk of this tree. It's not like we have to constantly be talking in an exaggerated voice and playing a drum. It's just, of course it's true. It's just as simple as that. Of course it's true. What else would I be? I take a bite of cereal and I think sometimes, isn't this incredible? You know, this is like, what happens after it goes into my mouth? Of course, you know, if I were medically inclined or, or scientifically inclined, I could find out. But still, even when the scientists, they're just observing it. But it's just the extraordinary uh, divine mystery of life. And everything's a miracle and nothing's a miracle. It's just the way things are. It, what it is, it's a celebration. That's why Swamiji's like, every time he completes something notable, he celebrates with Divine Mother. Look what we've done together. And isn't this a glorious moment? That's how we should be thinking. That's what he means. Come back to that sense of gratitude and wonder. And everything else in our life will flow beautifully. So he says, After every deed that you perform, pause a little to enjoy the freedom of the self within. Action to be fully effective must proceed from inner calmness. God bless you, my friends.